Welcome to Locked on Spartans for your Wednesday, October 31st, 2018. It is Halloween, and I am your host, Will Hunter, not dressed up in any costume because um, that would be pointless. If, if I was doing a video podcast, I would absolutely dress up. But I guess the video podcast isn't technically a podcast. If I was doing like a TV show or something today for you guys, I would dress up. I don't know what my costume would be. Picking out a Halloween costume is like the least, uh, the thing I have the least amount of talent at in the entire world. I'm terrible at it. I wear like the same awful ninja costume from ages uh, like 6 to 10. And then I think I stopped dressing up, so... Yeah, not great at costume picking, but it is Halloween, uh, a wonderful day indeed. Uh, we got some things to talk about. Michigan State had a scrimmage, not a scrimmage, an exhibition. This was a real type of game, an exhibition against Northern Michigan University. Handled them uh, very easily, obviously. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, some interesting things of note there. Then we've got uh, Matt Hapner stopping in for his weekly film room chat, so we got that. And then we'll finish off the show talking a little bit about the situation at Maryland. Uh, Michigan State plays Maryland this weekend, and um, it is pretty pretty chaotic over there, uh, just with the decision to reinstate DJ Durkin uh, and all that that goes with that. So we'll talk about that to close out the show, but I want to start with the basketball game last night. So... Just like a, a scrimmage against Gonzaga that's closed doors, there's only so much you can take from an exhibition. And there actually might be less you can take from this exhibition in terms of uh, where does this team stand, right? Because at least with Gonzaga, you're playing a consensus top five team. And you're kind of getting a feel of where your team sits headed into the season. You don't really get that when you play the D2 team that Tom Mizzle used to coach. Uh, although I will say for Northern... Um, they were a pretty solid D2 team last year, and they're picked to finish like second in the GLIAC this year. Um, and I know that because I used to work uh, in Marquette, where Northern Michigan University is, and they were bad for a long time, and then they started to get pretty good the last couple years. Uh, so it's a solid D2 team, but it's still a D2 team. And that's how you end up winning by 50 points. Uh, some things that you know, uh, stood out a little bit uh, that aren't too shocking. I don't think there's anything too shocking that we saw with returners, right? I think all the bigger stories are kind of with the freshmen, although it's two games in a row where Nick Ward has been the focal point. I think we're definitely going to see, you know, more shots out of him this year. Last year he played under 20 minutes a game. Uh, He's going to go over that this year. Seems like early, so far early in the season, he's the primary uh, option, the focal point of the offense, which isn't a big shock. You know, Cassius and Lankford can score it a little bit. Um, but Nick Ward is, you know, consistently someone who's, you know, from his freshman years put up, been able to put up big numbers in the post. So that's not a shock. Uh, one thing that is a little interesting is, um, and I think it's probably the right decision uh, to start, is Matt McQuaid saw the first backup point guard minutes. And uh, the big concern with that is, uh, the, the who's supposed to be the the foster lawyer who's supposed to be the backup point guard, true freshman, is undersized. He's a small guy. He's very skilled and gifted offensively. A phenomenal passer. Really, um, all that floor general cliche stuff we we like to say about point guards. He's got it on the offensive end. But there are major concerns of if who can he defend uh, in the Big Ten? Who can he defend? You know, playing Kansas, and so. Uh, and that and that showed itself a little bit against Northern Michigan University, who is 
a good D2 team, but it's still a, a D2 team. And those guards are going to be a lot smaller and a lot you know less gifted than the guards they're going to see starting in a week. It's going to be a major change for them when they play Kansas in a week. Uh, so the Izzo has said that his biggest concern with lawyer is who can he defend, can he defend. So Matt McQuaid saw the first backup point guard minutes against NMU, and I think we see that against Kansas, and I think we see that kind of moving forward until Lawyer gets his feet under him a little bit. I think he'll play uh, a few minutes here or there in the early season, depending on, you know, there's a lot of good teams in the early season schedule. Um, so it's going to be tough to find big minutes for him. And it's going to be really matchup dependent if it's somewhere where he can hang in there. You know, he can get 15, 17 minutes, but otherwise it might be three to five minutes. A uh, little bit of action at the end of the game if they need, I don't know, an offensive spark or something like that. Or, or you know, there's probably situations where he's going to work. So that is the first thing. is We saw Matt McQuaid playing those backup point guard minutes. And I think we I think it's smart to, to go that direction until a lawyer starts to really get his feet under him and can prove that he can defend somebody. And isn't going to be just a, a complete liability on the defensive end. Uh, other big storylines, I guess, coming out of it, all really surround uh, the freshmen, right? Aaron Henry uh, was as advertised. First uh, freshman off the bench, looks to be a part of the actual rotation. Uh, he came in, was the first, um, him and Xavier Tillman came in together. It was the first two guys off the bench, so they appear to be locked into the rotation. Kyle Arns was the eighth guy, uh, and then... After that, it seems like uh, right now that the top eight is the rotation, and then it's going to be sort of, you know, Gabe Brown came in 10, Bingham came, came in like 12, Lawyer 11, like they those the freshmen kind of came in later. So we'll see if any of them really crack the rotation, but it seems like Aaron Henry is solidly in the rotation. Uh, he's a big guard, 6'6", right, athletic, and we've talked about him a lot. Uh, he's the one who's been hyped up as the most ready to play, just physically, uh, he's attentive and aggressive on the defensive end. He can handle the ball. He got to the rim a couple times against NMU. And he's just, uh, you know, he's, he's a really athletic 6'6 kind of combo. He's like, if you, like, the NBA is like full of guys like him, just like 6'6 guys who can guard a number of positions and can get to the rack and are athletic. So he'll be playing definitely, uh, he'll be a part of the starting rotation in terms of the first, you know, it looks like Izzo's going to use eight against Kansas and maybe a ninth or tenth guy finds a few minutes, but it looks like it's going to be those top eight and Aaron Henry is the only freshman that is uh, part of that. And the other kind of major storyline I think coming out of this is Marcus Bingham Jr. Uh, you saw, so he's 6'11". Uh, about 195 pounds, it looks like. He's a real thin guy, but he's super long and athletic, and he hit a couple of threes against NMU. And he's just got, it seems like he's, he's got a really gifted uh, and interesting uh, offensive game. Uh, he's kind of one of these unicorn-type guys who can stretch uh, from the, the center or power forward position, hit threes. Uh, and make really, he hit two threes and had a tip, uh, tip dunk too in the same like little stretch. He scored eleven minutes. He scored eleven points against NMU, and there's a lot of talk of redshirting him, and it's an interesting discussion to have because he's just so small and they're not, they're not small, so slight, and they're just not sure who or what like who can he guard? Is he gonna be? Someone who just gets absolutely physically dominated in the low post. Uh, he's not as sturdy as like Jaron Jackson Jr. wasn't. 
um, you know, he wasn't huge. He's going to eventually be huge in the NBA in a few years. He's going to be, he's going to really fill out, but he had a frame that was bigger and he was like, you know, a, a thicker guy had broader shoulders and is just was more sturdy than, than Bingham. Bingham is uh, a kid, you know, he's really going to grow into himself. And in a few years, he's going to be uh, potentially just an absolute monster of a basketball player. And he's, you can see it right now, right? You can see the talent, um, but it's just they got to make the decision to play him this year. I think it's I think right shooting him would be the wrong decision just because that talent you can find ways to use him on offense. He's athletic enough to disrupt shots around the rim. Uh, it might be tough for him in the low post, but there are ways to alleviate some of that and to give him some help. Uh, and I think you know if you sit him for a year and then he starts developing his body and, and starts filling out his frame and he plays one year as a redshirt freshman and it's a great year given his uh athleticism and size and what the nba is moving to like he's gone right so i think you got to get as much out of him uh, as he can and he's going to develop as a player a ton this year because it's, it's just there's so much talent there uh, and it's a great foundation to start with so i think you know Izzo said it's going to be up to him and his family Bingham and his family they had a discussion about it and the final decision will be his and I hope that he decides to play because I think it's the right call for him and for the team this year all right coming up we're going to do our little film room with Matt Hapner and then we'll close out the show with the well the situation going on with the Maryland football program right now uh, but first a word from Vivid Seats guys I've been telling you about Vivid Seats for a month now if you want to get to a game, you got to get to Vivid Seats first. It is the top source for tickets to all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in a specific section and row of your choice. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, LOCKEDON, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats, and every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater tickets and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. And the Lockdown Podcast Network is expanding local sales. If you are interested in advertising on this podcast or Lockdown Lions, Lockdown Pistons, Lockdown Wolverines, email me at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are joined once again by Matt Hepner from The Only Colors to talk about his uh, weekly film room piece. Uh, Matt, we haven't really talked about the film room the last couple of weeks, but now we finally have. Things are good, and we can talk a little bit about what happened on Saturday. How you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's always uh, more fun after a win. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you start with the, the actually Purdue's first offensive series uh, that resulted in a, a dowel interception. 
that was caused by a little bit of pressure on a blitz uh, and then just good bracket coverage. So explain that play a little bit and then just what you thought uh, of the Michigan defensive performance overall. Or Michigan State, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, so I it was third and ten on the first series for Purdue and uh yeah, I, I used it because obviously it ended in an interception, but it also I thought uh gave a good uh indication of kind of what Michigan State was able to do throughout the day, mm-hmm. which is different looks to get pressure. And I thought they did a good job disguising some of the looks on this specific set. They only had two down linemen. They ended up rushing uh six including bringing uh, Kari Willis on the, the safety blitz. And even though Purdue's got four uh, four route runners on the, uh, on the play, with six being rushed, Michigan State still is able to uh, get the interception. They have the bracket covers, like you said, uh, over the top and underneath on the tight end, who ends up being the, uh, the player that Blau went to. But the pressure initially comes from Willikis off the outside, then – Blau steps up. Willis forces him outside, uh, coming on the late blitz. He rolls out, tries to make a play. It looks like it's thrown right at Dowell because it really was. Yeah, and and that was one I mentioned earlier in the week. Uh, I was in the stadium and actually it was kind of thrown like right towards me, and I was just like, oh, he threw it right to or like just as he threw it. I'm like, that's going right to Dowell. <laughs> like you could just kind of see it play out perfectly, and yeah. It's a really perfect play to to sh- just showcase what Michigan State was able to do uh, in terms of having solid coverage and just harassing Blau uh, all, all game long. Uh, your second thing, you kind of you wrote up the, just a two minute drill there at the end of the first half where Michigan State went uh, eighty seven yards in like a minute and a half, and Lombardi was pretty sharp on that. So just talk a little bit about uh, what uh, plays you chose to break down there, and then what you saw from Lombardi on that two minute drill. Yeah, so I you know, I thought it was, you know, good to kind of go through the two minute drill overall, show what they were doing and it was just it was a very effective and efficient drive. I mean, remember, this was we thought they were gonna get good field position and then dude hauls off a seventy four yard punt with the big roll and all of a sudden it's it's at the thirteen and we gotta go eighty seven yards and no problem. I mean Lombardi and crew just go right down and, and the two plays that I that I highlighted specifically, um with with some video or with the 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 gif and the uh and and the stills were both back shoulder throws to Stewart. One of them was a play that kind of got the whole drive going. Uh it went for uh like 25 27 yards. Um just a perfect back shoulder throw to Stewart on the outside. He's able to get out of bounds uh into Purdue territory and then the the touchdown was another one. The throw wasn't quite as perfect, but uh it was to the right spot and uh Stewart made the adjustment and and went in with it. And just the the whole drive was just efficient. Lombardi was making the throws he needed to. He only had two incompletions on the drive. The first play of the drive, which he threw out of bounds on purpose, and then uh, he airmailed one later in the drive. Almost everything else was on point and uh, where it needed to be and uh, thrown confidently. Yeah, and – that back shoulder throw, we we've seen it over the years, just be something that when a Michigan State quarterback can can do that well, uh, it's just such an effective play. And and for college defensive backs, that's an impossible cover. Uh, and there, are, yeah, like you said, a few of them on there on that drive alone. And he finished that drive, Lombardi, six for eight, eighty-five yards and a touchdown. Uh, and you mentioned one was thrown away, and then one uh, overthrow. So 
uh, just a really efficient two minute drill there. And it was really nice to see that because we haven't uh, seen a ton of <laughs> efficient uh, passing game offense in a while this year. Uh, last it was play. another one where uh, they used tempo. Yeah. Tempo because they had to, because they had no timeouts and mm-hmm. the times that they've gone to it this year, it's the quarterbacks have really looked good doing it. And I, we've, we've talked about it before. It's yeah. I'd like to see them incorporate a little bit more. Yeah. And tempo sometimes, uh, it, it, for whatever reason, it settles quarterbacks in and they know like it, it takes uh, whatever it is. It's just like they're in a rhythm. They're moving quickly. It's less time to overthink things. It's just get the ball, make your read and, and make the throw and hurry up to the next play because we got to get moving. Um, yeah, it seems to to work out whenever they do it. Let's talk about that. Uh, the touchdown from Jalen Naylor to seal the game. Um I want to ask you just kind of what you saw from Naylor on this play. I mean, he is kind of a game breaker that we haven't seen here in a while, maybe since Keyshawn Martin, um, just in the way that he can get in the open field and make people miss, and then he's just gone. Uh, but what did you see on this play from Naylor? Yeah, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. And and Naylor did a great job on this play, you know, really making the whole play. But, you know, the, the blocking was, was good, and it, it's, it it was good enough that he didn't get, you know, brought down before he was able to come back in reverse field. But, you know, he did a great job. You know, he he went where the play was designed to go, looked for what was there, didn't just dive ahead, waited, was patient, and then, you know, saw that there was an opening back the other way, cut it back the other way. He got a couple of blocks. A lot of guys, you know, there were guys on the back side of that play that didn't give up on it because of, you know, because it had already gone past them. And that, you know, made a couple of blocks that allowed him to get back, get to that open field. And then you got, you got Lombardi trailing him all the way down, kind of making sure the last Purdue defender uh, doesn't get to him. But uh, I mean, once he cut it back, it was over. And, you know, as far as Naylor goes, I I tweeted this out last night, you know, he, his last uh, two games, he's averaging. Now, of course these were spread out because it was, he was hurt for a while, Mm -hmm. but the last two games he played in, uh, Purdue and against Indiana, he had he's averaging 21 yards per touch on nine touches, and he has three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's that's an explosive <laughs> player if I've ever heard one, and that tells yeah. me that they need to get him the ball more. Yeah. So hopefully we're going to continue to see him getting the ball in all kinds of situations because you saw what Purdue likes to do with their you know speedster more. They get him the ball as much as possible. If, I'm not saying he's going to score a touchdown on every, you know, three every three times he touches the ball, but he's got that that big play capability, and that's something that Michigan State's offense has lacked. Yeah, I think we're going to look back on his uh, injury, his games missed, and just like maybe it's next year or later this year in, in a couple of years when they start using him more, and he's a bigger part of the offense. And just like, man, that was such a huge loss to have that element missing for a few weeks was uh, it made the the offense. Uh, that much worse. Uh, I want to ask, lastly here, just your general thoughts on Lombardi. You do you did write it up a little bit at the end, but uh, why don't you tell the listeners kind of what you thought of his debut? Well, you know, watching it live, I was impressed, but it's hard to kind of know for sure when you're watching it live because you're wrapped up in the emotion of the game. And also I had to stop watching for a minute and go to my nephew's birthday party. And then I'm watching it at the, at the playscape on the little TV. So it was kind of hard to tell, but, but, but when I went back and rewatched the game, 
what I saw was just confidence, like perfect playing within the game, playing within himself, within the system. He didn't take a lot of chances. He didn't make, you know, any huge mistakes. He, he had good pocket presence. He stepped up, bought time, made throws. He stepped up and ran when he had to. When mm-hmm. the plays were designed runs, he ran confidently and with strength. I mean, you saw him stiff arm that guy in the first quarter. Yeah, and it, it it was just, you know, it was everything that I that I didn't expect because they had told me that he wasn't going to be able to do these things, mm-hmm. that he wasn't ready to do these things. So it, I just thought it was a really impressive performance. He had zip on the ball. I mean, arm strength. It was all there and and leadership qualities. You know, he was showing that he was, the team was fired up. He was, he was in control. That's really what it comes down to. He was in control. And, uh, you know, that's at the very least Michigan state fans can say, you know what, if we have an injury, somebody goes down, we're not having a huge drop off. This is a guy that we can feel confident that he can go out and win a game for us. Cause he just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did not look out of place uh, at all. Um, he was the better quarterback on the field between him and Blau. Um, and yeah, and while you got to take it with a grain of salt because it's Purdue and they did do some stuff, some quick throws and things like that to make life a little easier on him. Uh, yeah, heck of a debut. And geez, like what a freaking arm. Like he can throw the hell out yeah. of the ball, man. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> knock on him was that he over, you know, he overthrew a couple of deep balls that probably yeah. would have been easy touchdowns. Certainly one was Lane was you know, 10 yards past the defender on one in the first half. And he, he didn't put enough air under it because he kind of, you know, yeah. the first one I think for sure he was like, oh, my God, and he just rifled it down there. But, you know, he did <laughs> drop a couple into Stewart, um, one that Stewart couldn't get the toe tap on and one that he couldn't haul in. So, yeah. you know, the touch will come, and it's there. And, and you know, I, it was impressive. I, 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 I'm excited to see more of it, but I also – think that it, it's better to have it's a good problem to have i guess all right matt thank you uh for making time for us as always uh you got a couple more pieces coming out this week no, get to know the opponent and uh, the special teams breakdown you can check those out at the matt thank you for joining us all right we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a minute but first a word from sling tv guys you don't want to watch the game you need to watch the game and if you're sick and tired of paying for all these channels that you never watch, you gotta give Sling TV a shot. $30 a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. It is the best way to watch college football. You can stream on all your devices from your big screen all the way down to your smartphone, and there are no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. And right now, if you sign up for Sling TV and listen to this podcast, you get a seven-day free trial. It's easy. Just go to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. Sign up, get a seven-day free trial. And after that, it's only $30 a month. And like I said, no long-term contracts, no fees. That $30 is all you pay, and you can cancel it at any time if you want. But you won't because you're going to love it. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. And if you're looking for a new NBA podcast, a new national NBA podcast, you got to check out Locked on NBA. They're covering all the biggest stories in the National Basketball Association from Spitgate and the big fight. Uh, is Jimmy Butler going to get traded? They're, they're all over it. 
uh, all week long, daily 30-minute episodes to get you caught up everything going on in the NBA. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or just tell your smart speaker to play Podcast Locked on NBA. All right, we got a quick third segment here today coming up. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the situation going on in Maryland because rare is the uh, administrative decision that you see that uh, absolutely everyone disagrees with. <laughs> um, I think yesterday was just kind of a disastrous day for a lot of people at Maryland, and it started with the, the decision by the board of trustees to uh, reinstate DJ Durkin as head coach, and it looks like he'll be on the sidelines immediately uh, starting this weekend against Michigan State. So uh, they made this decision. If you haven't been, uh, if you ever, if you're a little behind on the story or need a refresher, Jordan McNair, Maryland player, died during a conditioning incident, where uh, it has been reported that uh, proper uh, attention and care wasn't taken with him, and this could have been a preventable death. His family is suing the university, uh, and. After that, a story came out that uh, Maryland football is a toxic culture created by Durkin and his staff, uh, and there's just a lot of borderline um, abusive tactics used to try to motivate players or uh, get the best out of them, and it's really, um, there's a lot of, a lot of bad stuff going on there, it seems. Now, the, the throughout there's a million different things that happened in the investigation. There was a player survey compared to other schools. There was all sorts of different complaints and players speaking out, parents speaking out, different reports, things like that. And we are now uh, nine weeks into the season, and this is the time that Maryland has decided to reinstate Durkin. And, and he held a team meeting, uh, and immediately three players walked out of the team meeting. And then uh, after that, a number of Maryland players went to Twitter to uh, support the family of Jordan McNair. We saw that because they had a press conference. Jordan's parents and his father obviously said he, he said he felt like someone kicked him in the stomach and spit in his face. Uh, and the players were retweeting that with support. Uh, there was players that couldn't believe that Durkin was back. There are parents speaking out again, saying there's no way uh, their kid's going to play for Durkin. And it's just, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess of a situation. And Maryland had the easiest, quickest way to get out of all this. To, to make it all go away and to fix all the problems. And all the, the, it was just an expensive route, right? You buy him out. If you buy out DJ Durkin, you can fire him for whatever reason. He has no legal repercussion. He can't sue the university for wrongful termination or anything like that. He's gone. The program can start healing and can move on, right? But instead... Uh, the Maryland board decided to bring back a coach who's got five Big Ten wins in his two seasons uh, and is a below 500 coach uh, after this terrible scandal. And some of the details of what Durkin and his staff would do is just is gross. Like, players would be eating, and they would play videos of, of this is an actual reported thing, they would play videos of drills, like drill bits going into human eyeballs while the players were eating, and they would play like super gory over the top uh, campy horror movies where there's just like guts and stuff being ripped out and all this terrible nasty stuff and they would do that while they're eating to try to toughen the players up like it's just an absolutely insane place to like for those kids to basically go to work every day and like there were stories of kids getting weights thrown at them and uh, a kid who was overweight being forced to eat candy bars in front of his teammates while they ran around in circles around him and just really humiliating, emasculating uh, bullshit. So 
yeah, that all that all happened, and a lot of the players um, aren't on the side of DJ Durkin and are very unhappy that their friend died, and, and not, seemingly nothing is going to happen because of it. There's no repercussions. No one's going to do the right thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. It's one to monitor just because Michigan State plays them uh, this weekend, and obviously the most important thing going on Saturday will, will not be the game. There are going to be a lot of side stories to pay attention to. There's been talks of a walkout. Uh, there's been talks of you know a few players not playing uh, unless Durkin goes and doesn't coach uh, that game. And so we'll kind of see what happens. It's it's really it's it's unfortunate. That's what it is. It's unfortunate that these two teams and these kids are going to play football on Saturday, and the the story's not going to be about that because the board made just an absolutely insane, unjustifiable decision. Like that's that's it. Bottom line, it's a it's a it's a shame. It's a damn shame that uh, you know these kids at Maryland, have, <laughs> their friend died, and they have to like they they don't even get the chance to heal. They still have to be angry about it because the man who maybe wasn't directly responsible for the death but played a role in establishing the culture that led to this kid's death or established the culture that played a role in this kid's death. Uh, they got to keep dealing with that. They don't get to move on. They have to see him every day. Uh, and be reminded of it, and then they're going to be asked to play football uh, and give their all to this guy, or else they risk losing scholarships uh, and getting cut, and, and you know stuff like that. Because schools can do that. Schools have leverage on these kids uh, like that. So yeah, just an interesting uh, situation to monitor throughout uh, the week, and we'll see what happens. All right, thank you for joining us uh, for the show. If you're a new listener, I really appreciate you giving it a shot. Uh, returning listeners, thank you so much for, for coming back to uh, to the show every single day. I've mentioned it a few times, but it's starting to really look good, and people are tuning in, uh, and it's it's really appreciated. Follow the show on Twitter, at, Spar- uh, at OnSpartans. Follow me on Twitter, at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. Email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com, about anything you want. Um, and uh, like the Facebook page, Locked On Spartans. Just search it on Facebook and you'll find it. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk uh, with Kyle Austin of MLive, actually. We're going to have a full basketball preview. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the, the football game uh, before we do a full preview on Friday. And then a uh, little little bit of gambling picks on Friday as well to close out the week. So thank you again for listening. We'll catch you tomorrow. And until then, go green. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.